This is the 55th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliette Jeske. I'm saying my name very clearly because a lot of people think my name is Julia. Sorry, guys, it's Juliet, like Romeo Ann. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Now we're going to get right into it, and I'll explain my name. True story. I just thought it was funny. A woke bank, a crashed drone, and buckets of outrage. A condensed overview of 15 hours of Fox News for the week ending March 19th, 2023. Let's just go right into that first clip. Here we go. Silicon Valley Bank prioritized wokeness over almost everything else. It is a woke bank, despite what you said in the green room. The Biden administration is now essentially printing money to bail out woke millionaires, billionaires that support their party. And you will, instead of making sound financial decisions, SVB championed every woke cause and social trend imaginable. Everything woke, the bank used uh, all the right buzzwords and made all the right, quote, connections. Now, SVB was California's woke trendy bank, you know, get woke, go broke is and that very liberal leftist elite Silicon Valley woke bank. This was not a woke bank. So I did mm. some digging. That is. First of all, they pledged seventy five million dollars to Black Lives Matter and no one on the bank's board is a banker. That includes a whopping seventy three million dollars to BLM related group. We're going to break this down in kind of two parts. I made that edit um, Sunday night into Monday morning because I wanted an overview of all three shows, that being Fox and Friends, The Five, and Hannity, of exactly how they approached this. And that's sort of what I came up with. And um, the charity part, the 73, and then it's also quoted as $75 million that was allegedly given to Black Lives Matter by this Silicon Valley super woke bank, kind of went right over my head. Because I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe they did give 73. I didn't think anything of that. One of my followers sent me a tip. And this tip was just a great. It was just a link on Twitter. And I clicked on it. and was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. This is it. This is it. This is it. And it was a Substack. Go Substack. Go Substack. Called Popular Information. And the names of the journalists were Rebecca Crosby, Tissem Zakiria, and Judd Legum. And I hope, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your names, but those are the three names. And this substack just broke this story wide open. So that $73, $75 million figure came from a database created by the Claremont Institute, a right-wing think tank. The point of this database was to create a resource where like-minded conservative members of the media and researchers could easily find the charitable contributions of any number of companies. So the Claremont Institute is hardly an unbiased vessel created to inform the public. It's a highly partisan advocacy group which seems to have an axe to grind with the BLM movement. So in an opinion piece in Newsweek, the group said that the goal of BLM was to, now brace yourself because this is nutty, undermine capitalism, the nation state, and Western civilization. That's fairly heavy-handed. <laughs> it almost sounds like a, like a, a parody of a right-wing group, but this is real. I, I know the Claremont Group, um, or the Claremont Institute, uh, it has some overlap 
with some people who've been involved with the Proud Boys. I was immediately familiar with this group. I didn't know they had this database. Um, Black Lives Matter, um, as we all know, is sort of a broad movement that has multiple meetings depending on the organization or individual. There's also a myriad of nonprofits and charities that align with the BLM movement. But Claremont came up with this $70 million figure um, that they put on their database from two large charitable pledges. And again, pledges is not a donation. Again, we go back to popular information, this glorious substack that I was just drinking in. And then, because I just loved how in-depth it was and how specific, this is such an obscure reference and they knew it and they found it and they nailed it. And bravo to them. I just thought this was so great. And when then I, I did a Google search for the same topic, I found publication after publication after publication, all going back to popular information and basically tip of the hat saying, this is where we got it. We double-checked it. What a great article. They all gave them a plug. I'm giving them a plug. I immediately subscribed. Okay, I'm, I'll stop cheerleading for this substack. I just thought it was so great. So SBV, Silicon Valley Bank, made a five-year, $50 million pledge. It's just a pledge towards an internal program that was meant to connect women, Black people, and Latinos with startup funding networking, and leadership development in the venture capitalist ecosystem. Now, again, the venture capitalist ecosystem is basically capitalism on rocket fuel. It's, I'm a capitalist and I'm proud of it. Let's spend some money to make some money. Let's make some jobs. That's, a, that's what a venture capitalist is supposed to be all about. So this program was internal, meaning it was probably within the bank or part of something when internal makes me think it was in the bank and it was basically to help anybody become a venture capitalist. It's not typically a venture capitalist. So that would be a woman or a person of color. And somehow the Claremont Institute took that and equated it to black lives matter, even though their own definition of black lives matter also included undermining capitalism. I'm laughing because this is so absurd, but that's what they did. So the other 20 million that was cited as part of the 70 million, get this, brace yourself for this one, was a donation to support additional COVID-19 relief and establish a full-ride, needs-based university scholarship program to students at Arizona State University, Florida A&M University, Tulane University, and Xavier University. Now, it's unclear how the Claremont Institute made the leap from broad donations for scholarships to various universities, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Perhaps the idea that even one Black student might benefit from the donation was enough. And one of the largest organizations associated with BLM in the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation confirmed to the Associated Press that it did not receive any funding from SVB. And there was no other evidence that SVB gave any money to a specific Black Lives Matter Charity, But that's not going to stop a group like the Claremont Institute from writing this absolutely nutty database that was based in absolutely no truth that was then repeated throughout the right wing media ecosystem. And I believe that it was redacted in some places because this was so brazen. But I don't think Fox has said anything. I haven't heard anything from Fox. Now, before we get to the next media clip, I should do a little bit of housekeeping the group that uh, supports this 
podcast and the newsletter is the Tau Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student. There's also a written version of this podcast that can be found at my substack for Decoding Fox News. I do that because a lot of people want to see the hyperlinks, and that'll take you to the sources. Um, Also, think of this as kind of a support group for the friends and family, neighbors and co-workers, colleagues of others who are deeply entrenched in Fox News. I don't think I can de-radicalize somebody or pull them away from this, but I can at least make those loved ones around them kind of understand this a little bit better. And that was sort of the whole point of this project. Um, I want to just address one thing because I thought it was kind of funny. I have a weird first name. It is Juliet. And when I say it often, people think I say Julia. And I had a, a great thank you to my paid subscribers, which you can become a paid subscriber if you'd like for $5 a month. I also have a Patreon at Decoding Fox News for Patreon. Um, but I felt so touched that so many people said, thank you so much, Julia, back. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to tell them my name's Juliet. I don't want to be rude. So I'll just say it in the podcast. But my name is Juliet, like Romeo and... I don't know why no one ever hears my name right, um, but they don't. This is a common problem. It happens to me all the time. So just so you know, Juliet, like Romeo and, I have no idea why I got this weird name. I don't know. If your name is also Juliet, tip of the hat, uh, you've heard a lot of Romeo jokes. Anyway, we're going to move on to the next um, media clip. This is Jessica Tarloff, our hero, the best liberal On The Five, The Five, if you're unaware, is a panel show, much like The View, on Fox News, which is the most highly rated program on the network. It comes on at 5 p.m. It's five people sitting around a table, and they rotate the people in and out. Jessica Tarloff is one of about three or four liberals that they'll put in the liberal chair, and she's by far the best one. This is Jessica Tarloff describing why Silicon Valley Bank is not woke. Why is it the depositor's fault? And why, for some of these companies, you're running a business. It is not your responsibility to check on whether your bank is messing up at this level every couple of months. And this is a story that started being reported months ago. The Wall Street Journal started talking about when you have interest rate hikes at this level, and people are buying up treasury bonds, which are not supposed to be sold again in five to 10 years you're supposed to get. And then suddenly they're going to turn around and start selling them. The market is not going to reflect what the actual value of, that, of it is. And something that matters a lot to this, and Dana said it happened so quickly, banking, a bank run is, the tale is old as time, right? But being able to do a bank run off your phone is what isn't, right? That a few people can get on Twitter, start tweeting out, get out, get out, get out. And suddenly, $42 billion needs to leave your coffers within 24 hours. I mean, that's an impossibility and something that we have to deal with. I want to say something about what the Post said. You know, if it was a a MAGA bank, it basically was. Peter Thiel was one of the top five biggest VCs there. Huge backer, Donald Trump, 2016, 2020. In 2022, he resigned from the board of Meta. He was one of the original board members so that he could back J.D. Vance. He could join a Trump-aligned pack for J.D. Vance and Blake Masters. Um, the this embarrassing thing, whatever Jesse was talking about, all the wokeness. If you look at who's running that bank, it's a bunch of white guys and three women. And the jobs that those three women have, by the way, are roles that traditionally women have. HR, Mm. the CMO, and then the chief risk officer, who obviously was not doing a great job. 
So Jessica Tarloff is sort of our superstar. Every time I post her on Twitter, it usually does very well. And people always say, I don't know how she does it. Because while she's on that table, the rest of the cast tends to cut her off, openly mock her, yell at her, insult her, everything you could think of. And she just remains calm, keeps going, and um, just always knows what she's talking about. I couldn't do it because I would start yelling back. And then I would be asked to leave. And Jessica Turloff is not me. She just is just centered and doesn't get worked up. I would like I couldn't stand sitting next to just uh, Jesse Waters for more than five minutes. I'd just be like, "You're horrible." <laughs> like, if you know Jesse Waters, you understand why I'm saying this. So I'm going to go through a list of what this is. Just simply called Tarloff was right. SVB wasn't woke. SVB is technically no more. It's gone. It's going to get cut up and broken up into other little banks. So here we go. A lack of diversity in depositors. The bank relied too much on the tech sector, which is experiencing a slowdown. As fewer companies began new startups, it reduced the number of new loans and ultimately income for the bank. Too many depositors were uninsured. Since many of the bank's customers were tech companies with large payrolls, their accounts exceeded the $250,000 limit for FDI insurance. And people with large payrolls who have uninsured accounts will pull their money out in a moment's notice because they know it's not insured. Another thing is they had bad investments for the current market. SVB also purchased tens of billions of mortgage-backed securities. U.S. Treasury bonds and other secure but low-yield investments. As interest rates rose, the value of these investments sank. And then finally, it was just an old-fashioned run on the bank. In theory, any bank can fail if too many depositors drain the accounts at the same time. No bank has 100% liquidity of assets. It couldn't, absolutely, possibly could not, because a bank couldn't make any money if it had 100% of, of its deposits in the bank. It's got to have most of it out. In the, If you actually look up, I won't go through this now because it's too long, but if you look up, the percentage of capital, of, of liquid assets, I'm probably going to use the wrong term, my apologies, but if you look up the amount of actual like cash that a bank has to have on hand for the amount of deposits it has, <laughs> it would blow your mind and you'd, you'd, you'd freak out and want to take all your money out of the bank. Because <laughs> the way the bank makes money is they, 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 you know, they, they um, grant loans and then the loan payments with interest is exactly how the bank makes money. They don't make money off deposits. No matter how many fees they're charging you, they make it off of loans. So anyway, so another thing I want to point out is that the bank's executive team was completely white and mostly male. This isn't the, the board. This is the executive team. And according to the website of the actual bank, the board of directors included one black person and one LGBTQ member. It's not a very diverse board by the sound of it. And then according to research by Linda Q at the New York Times, there is nothing exceptionally woke about the SVB. I also have a hyperlink to her article. I'm going to quote her directly. A 2022 report by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau found that 59% of banks had lending programs specifically for women and minority-owned businesses, financing that would fit under the social umbrella of ESG. Most banks include diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. SVB Bank was not exceptional in this regard, but average when compared to other banks. 
the bank's level of ESG investing was right in line with other large U.S. banks at around 8 to 14 percent, including J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, Citigroup, and Bank of America. So it's a very boring bank, actually. Just had a lot of tech companies, so people just made assumptions. Um, also, I want to point out that Fox News ignored a near-bank failure in Europe. Interestingly enough, Fox News never mentioned how a European bank, Credit Suisse, was also on the brink of collapse. And this is a, a huge bank, actually. For months, the network has tried to shape the narrative that the U.S. is the only major economy in the world with high inflation. Most of the world's economies have battled high rates of inflation since the COVID-19 pandemic caused widespread supply chain problems and shortages. And there were other regional banks that failed last week, but Fox News put most of its focus on Silicon Valley Bank. And I think they did that because of the name and the image of kind of latte drinking, super left-wing types who sat around laughing at the fact that the government was going to bail them out. And just before we move on to the next media clip, I, I just want to point out that this was a very strange twisting uh, that Fox was doing, is that they were trying to sort of blame the depositors for what had happened to the bank, like, oh, we're bailing out the, the bank. The bank itself will be cut up and broken up and will not exist anymore. The people who were given uh, the quote-unquote bailout were people who had their money in a bank. And most people who put their money in a bank don't assume that the bank is going to fail. Bank failures are fairly rare. They do happen, um, but they don't usually happen. Um, so it's unfair, again, like Jessica Tarloff said in that clip, to expect a depositor to kind of check on the health of their bank. That's that's a little nutty. And Fox in general, and this is something that if you watch the network a lot, is repeated throughout. Uh, I've seen this over and over again since I started this project over a year ago, is the idea that all political donors, <laughs> I mean, this is comical if you know anything about the donor class, they like to promote the idea that all political donors are George Soros. They're all left-wing benefactors who are billionaires, who have tons of money, and they're just constantly giving it to left-wing groups. Now, in reality, and this is the irony of it, much of the right-wing media ecosystem is actually the result of right-wing billionaires giving tons of money to various think tanks, Turning Point USA, Breitbart, um, The Federalist, I could just keep going. They all get a lot of donor money from billionaires or billionaire family foundations, and none of them are turning a profit. They don't. They would not be able to exist without these benefactors. And yet they run around screaming about you know the free market and capitalism. And meanwhile, your left wing publications are begging for donations. They don't have a billionaire benefactor. They're just scraping by. And then all the for-profit companies are basically uh, trying to figure out how they can get money from ad money on the internet when people aren't clicking on ads or looking at ads. And it's just, oh, it's a mess. So yeah, anyway. Uh, next topic is the second big story of the week, as you probably know, was a drone, an unmanned drone that was um, crashed over the Black Sea. Now, this clip I'm going to play you is Sean Hannity reacting, as only Sean Hannity could, to an incident like this. What I do, I know I'll never be president. I have no aspirations to be president. But if I was, 
Stephen Miller, my plan would be you shoot down one of our, our drones, I'm shooting down two, three, four, five of yours. If you shoot down two, I'm going to shoot down a hundred. That ought to be the response. And you saw what President Trump So you can hear that live audience. Sean has been doing his shows in front of a live audience lately, and I think an attempt to, to boost ratings because his ratings have gone down, whereas Tucker Carlson's have gone up. Um, and Sean Hannity is like the number one paid person on Fox News, so that's kind of a problem. So he's been doing all these things to ramp up. I just found that clip so, um, I don't even know how to describe it, because he starts off with, you know, I don't want to be president. And that's kind of an odd thing for most people to say. I don't want to be president. I'd never see myself as president. It's quite the ego there. Um, and then he says, you know, like if they shoot down one drone, we shoot down a hundred drones like he's in a movie or something. And I'm just like, and then we start World War Three. OK, uh, you know, it, it's been interesting because I'm working on a project right now. It's going to take a minute to go through uh, the difference between Hannity and Tucker Carlson regarding the war in Ukraine, because they're complete polar opposites. Hannity is very, very hawkish and uh, towards helping Ukraine, although he's very critical of, of President Biden. And Tucker Carlson is incredibly um, anti-Ukraine and mocks Ukraine and, you know, constantly defends Russia. And yet the one show is on at 8 p.m. and then one show is on at 9. It goes Tucker in, right into Hannity. I don't know what viewers who watch both shows think, but... They are complete opposites in that regard. The drone story was pretty much handled the same across the network. All of the shows were concerned. I think it's concerning. I think it's an incredibly alarming thing. However, I don't know if I would have reacted the same way with like, rah, rah, let's go blow up some Russian drones, considering the circumstances. Um, I'm not going to downplay an unmanned drone being knocked into the Black Sea. It's a horrible thing to happen. I, It's just awful. Um, however, I did notice a detail uh, last week and that it wasn't until like Sunday night as I was putting this together this takes kind of a minute to put together this is a lot of work the newsletter and podcast I re realized that the uh, cost of the drone magically got bigger in a three-day span so I went through again all 15 episodes and cut up and made this edit and you're going to hear some repetition of the price but it does magically get bigger as the days go on. Now, Putin's thugs then dumped fuel on our drone several times before then finally ramming its propeller uh, and then sending our $14 million aircraft into the sea below. The U.S. Reaper drone costs up to $32 million. For years, it was the workhorse for U.S. military combat operations. We should send three uh, drones today. Uh, right over there in Let's international Let's airspace. Go. Let's do it. Uh, and that right. costs us $32 million, and we call them unprofessional. And the fact that we take it on our knees without saying, this is the bill you owe because this Reaper costs $32 million, you're going to also pay interest, and you're going to pay with your blood and treasure. Because the second plane was the one that clipped the propeller that forced the drone between 30 and $50 million into the Black Sea. Well, it's clear they're going directly toward our drone, our $32 million drone, with a plane that costs equally as much. Watch as the jets are buzzing by the drone over the Black Sea before striking the propeller and sending the $32 million drone plunging down into the Black Sea. The Brand new video showing Russian fighter jets shooting down a U or knocking it didn't into... It did shoot down. Uh, knocking down and clipped a drone 
sending the 30 to $50 million uh, Predator drone into the Black Sea. So those clips were basically over three days on all three shows that I cover. And it shows how in the first clip, the drone uh, supposedly cost the U.S. military $14 million to make. Then it changed to $32 million to make. That could have just been a mistake and they rectified it. But then by Thursday, and this sort of shows how nutty Fox is, it just magically changes to 30 to $50 million. And it's uh, Brian Kilmeade's the only one that says that. And then Brian Kilmeade is actually corrected by his co-host Steve Ducey in real time. And that he just, you know, just cuts him off and says, it wasn't shut down. It was clipped. It was clipped. And these little uh, skirmishes, these little rifts, have been increasing between Ducey and Kilmeade, and I don't know why. I suspect it has something to do with the Dominion defamation lawsuit that the company is facing, and I'll very briefly explain that. If you follow Fox, you probably know what's going on. I am in a weird position because I'm tasked to cover what Fox shows its viewers. And Dominion is not mentioned ever on Fox. This lawsuit is never mentioned, partly because the company is in an active litigation with this other company. It's very aggressive and it's very adversarial. So they're not going to talk about the case on air. Um, And they completely ignore it anyway. Now, all of these depositions have been released. Parts of the depositions have been released. Parts of uh, text messages have been revealed in publicly accessible court documents. And it basically reveals that people knew when they worked at Fox that they were promoting the idea that the 2020 presidential election was stolen, even though they didn't believe it. And yet they kept pushing these stories anyway because they were good for ratings. Now, what that means now is Fox management has gone in and started libel training where they're trying, which is hilarious because this network constantly misleads their viewers. But they're going in now and trying to be like, okay, guys, stop lying, basically, on air. Clean it up. You can't just make stuff up on the fly. Jesse Waters constantly does this. Uh, Brian Kilmeade, that's a great example of Brian Kilmeade just magically making the drone more expensive and then saying that the drone was shot down. Was that intentional? Was he just full of vigor? I don't know. But Steve um, Ducey basically reined him in. And there have been a couple instances of this. There's, I'm going to play another one. So I don't know what's going on there, but it's been fun to watch the fireworks between these two because I'll do my quick, I'll do my Steve Ducey. Steve Ducey's got a very distinctive voice because he's always going up and he almost sounds kind of, you know, very like, what are we doing? I'm Steve Ducey. That's my Steve Ducey. And then very quickly before we get to the next clip, because I have to do it because I'm asked to do this by people who listen to this show every single week, and that's, I'm Judge Janine, and I am a 72-year-old woman, or 71, I got my age wrong, who cares, I got three poodles, I'm divorced, I live in a huge mansion in the middle of nowhere, I'm sure, I don't actually know where her house is, but I'm sure it's a huge, gorgeous, tacky, gorgeous and tacky mansion, I have no doubt, she rides an Escalade, she drives an Escalade, she admitted that last week, she also admitted that if reparations become a thing. She's going to move to wherever they are and she's going to marry a black man. Now, she was kidding. She was joking, of course. But that is my Judge Janine. I'm going to throw a pen. I'm throwing a pen. I'm going to have to go back and turn all that down. 
all of that happened. That is true. The reparations bit was in San Francisco, and she said she would move to San Francisco and marry a black man so her kids, her kids, could also get the reparations. She's 71 years old. She's not having any kids anytime soon, but maybe her poodles would count, I guess. I don't know. That woman cracks me up, but she, I mean, she's off the scale. She's just out of control. I also never know what Judge Janine's going to do because she's <laughs> that personality. And um, that's always a fun person to watch on camera because you're like, is she going to throw something? Um, they were trying ice cream that tasted like um, it was flavored as ranch dressing. And she sniffed it and immediately just pushed it away. And like nobody really caught it. And I was like falling over laughing. Because, you know, it's like I have to watch these people say horrible things all day. So I look for those moments. And she does, I do find her very amusing. Even though I don't agree with anything she says. I'm always like, oh, I can't believe she said that. That's awful. Oh, wait, she just threw a pen at uh, Greg Gutfeld's head. So, you know, it's a balance. It's a balance. It's a way of coping. Um, Here we go. So this next one is another example of Steve Ducey correcting Brian Kilmeade in real time over something that may or may not be accurate. So this next one is simply titled, Steve Ducey snaps at Brian Kilmeade over an unverified story. So Vice President Kamala Harris gave a speech after the first NCAA tournament game to her alma mater team from Howard University. Fox News and other right-wing media outlets mocked Harris for making the speech and made claims that she was booed by the crowd when she was announced at the game. Some Fox hosts even implied she was booed at Howard University. The game was held in Des Moines, Iowa. So this is how the event was described last Friday on Fox and Friends. This is on St. Patrick's Day. Steve Ducey starts it. I'm just going to play it and you'll hear what went down. Well, uh, my Kansas Jayhawks yesterday in Des Moines, Iowa, beat uh, the vice president's uh, team Howard University. It was a blowout. Let's see. Kansas, 96. The Howard Bison, 68. And Kamala Harris talked to the team. She oh, did yeah, indeed. She was- Evidently, she got booed when she entered the uh, oh, really? arena. And she got booed here in New York as she entered Stephen Colbert's studio. Wait, What's going on? She went to her alma mater and she was booed? She was booed. Well, uh, they played in the Reportedly. Reportedly. We, we looked for a video of, of the booing uh, yesterday in Des Moines. We couldn't find okay. it. Wide, widely spread reports. 25 minutes after the top of the hour. Still- now, you can't really uh, hear that so much on the audio, but in the video, the look on Kilmeade's face was just a mixture of, like, defeated and complete and utter rage. And Ducey's just oblivious, just like, we're going to keep going. And Ansley Earnhardt is trying so hard to be chipper and, and just keep it moving. And I have, like, at least four clips like this in the past two weeks. So something is up. And again, because it's around, like, getting the clip correct, in all cases it's been something about Ducey correcting Kilmeade. I just kind of wonder if it has to do with this libel training. Anyway, so here's the next section of the podcast. This is stories Fox News ignored. They're very interesting this week. Uh, with the context, and that's every week I compare 15 hours of Fox News with five hours of the PBS NewsHour, which is a nonpartisan, high-quality news source. And the uh, following are stories that PBS included that Fox did not. The first one is a zinger. Here we go. 
New genetic sampling from Wuhan, China, provided more evidence that COVID-19 originated from a natural source. Samples known to have the virus also contain genetic material from animals, much from raccoon dogs, a small mammal related to foxes common in Asia. Scientists and researchers are still not certain how COVID-19 originated. Last week marked the third anniversary of the day COVID-19 was declared a global pandemic. A European bank, Credit Suisse, nearly collapsed last week, but was rescued in a takeover bid by USB Bank. The multinational USB Bank has requested $6 billion from the Swiss government to help cover its costs. The European Central Bank raised interest rates half a percentage point despite the crisis at Credit Suisse. The ECB raised the core rate in an attempt to lower 8.6% inflation. The inflation rate in the U.S. dropped to 6% in February, which is still very high. We wanted around 2%. Pointing this out that it's lower than the EU, Fox would never in a million years mention this. The International Criminal Court issued an arrest warrant for Russian President Vladimir Putin for deporting Ukrainian children. The Kremlin called the ICC's decision outrageous and unacceptable. The United States faces health care worker shortages across the country. The situation was made worse by the added stress of the pandemic. The UK striking health care workers reached a settlement with the NHS. The deal would include a one-time bonus and a permanent 5% pay raise from April. The French government raised the retirement age from 62 to 64 by bypassing parliament. President Emmanuel Macron invoked Article 49.3 of the French Constitution in order to force the reform through. Riots and rallies erupted across the country against the unpopular measure. The FBI's Uniform Crime Reporting, UCR, program released a 2021 hate crime statistics supplement. Nationally reported hate crimes incidents increased 11.6% from 2020 to 2021. The Iranian government issued a pardon to over 22,000 protesters who were arrested during the months-long anti-government protests across the country. Amnesty International issued a report accusing the Iranian intelligence and security forces of torturing detained children, including beatings, floggings, electric shocks, rape, and other sexual violence against child protesters as young as 12. Syria enters its 12th year of a bloody and devastating civil war, which has left half a million dead and displaced millions of others. Last month's earthquakes in neighboring Turkey added more misery and destruction to a country already pummeled by Syrian President Bashir al-Assad and his Russian patron, Vladimir Putin. The Russian Defense Ministry issued state honors for the Russian pilots who caused the crash of an unmanned U.S. drone over the Black Sea. Slovakia and Poland have both agreed to send fighter jets to Ukraine. Slovakia is giving its fleet of 13 Soviet-era MiG-29 fighter jets, and Poland has promised about a dozen of the same type of aircraft. China issued a warning about Australia's plan to purchase nuclear-powered submarines from the U.S. in a deal called AUKUS, which also includes cooperation with the U.K. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said the plan reflected a shared determination to ensure all countries would act in their sovereign interest free from coercion. 
Liang Qian, China's new premier, reassured China's private sector that the economy will improve. Last year, China's economy only grew 3%, which is the lowest it's been in years. The state of Ohio is suing Norfolk Southern to make sure the railroad company pays for all the damage and cleanup caused by the derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, last month. The EPA issued new regulations for smokestacks and smog and proposals that would help remove forever chemicals from drinking water. The agency also told states to stop blocking contaminated waste from Ohio derailment from traveling through en route to hazardous waste sites. Haas, an American automation company, has been accused of selling CNC machine parts to the Russian military. The Economic Security Council of Ukraine made the allegations. The company is also a major supplier to the U.S. military. A representative from the company denied any wrongdoing. Meta, the parent company for Facebook and Instagram, announced it would lay off about 10,000 employees. Leonard Leo, a longtime benefactor for conservative causes, was just given $1 billion from a wealthy Chicago business owner to distribute to various political and advocacy groups. PBS produced an extended segment about the ongoing rift in the Republican Party regarding the war in Ukraine, with MAGA Republicans becoming more isolationist and the more moderate wing supporting defending Ukraine. The Texas Education Agency announced a takeover of the Houston Independent School District. A court case involving a drug used for medical abortions is still pending in Amarillo, Texas. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee rejected $8 million in federal grants to help stop the spread of HIV. The governor wants the state to cover the cost and have more say on how the funds are spent. Ten people were criminally charged in the smothering death of a 28-year-old black man in a Virginia mental institution. More than 70 towns in New Hampshire had to postpone local elections due to a severe nor'easter storm on Tuesday. According to the American Kennel Club, French Bulldogs were the most popular dog in America last year. The FAA held a safety summit last week. More than 200 safety leaders from across the aviation industry met in specific breakout sessions to discuss ways to enhance flight safety. Due to the ongoing mega drought in the western part of the United States, Arizona is set to lose over 20% of its Colorado River water allotment. Professional surfer Blake Johnson broke the world's record for the longest surfing session after surfing 600 waves for over 40 hours. Actor Lance Reddick died of natural causes at the age of 60. He was best known for playing roles in the television series The Wire, Fringe, and Bosk. In film, he is best known for starring in the John Wick franchise and Angel Has Fallen. Former U.S. Representative Pat Schroeder, a pioneer for women's rights, dies at 82. She represented a district in Denver, Colorado, for 11 terms. So those are really interesting stories. We're dealing with COVID. We're dealing with interest rates in Europe. We're dealing with labor problems in Europe. All of those things would be very interesting to get added context with what Fox is also pushing. But of course, the Fox viewer is never going to hear any of those stories. They're never going to know any of that's going on. And that is a complete and utter shame. Now, the next section is by the numbers, which are charts, which are more visual than they are audio. Just very quickly, Fox, the top five topics were bank failures, American only, unmanned drone crashed by Russians, Hunter Biden, which was 9%, 
7% border crisis, and then 4% just anti-Biden, which is just a number of different things where they just rip on Biden. Uh, PBS, top story was bank failures in U.S. and Europe, artist profile, which is a staple for them, Syrian civil war, 4%, TikTok, possible U.S. ban at 4%, and China warning about the AUKUS pact with the U.S. and Australia. Much bigger story on PBS. Words used on Fox for the week were, the number one was Biden at 425, which is enormous. That's huge. Uh, Russia, 171. China, Chinese, 161. Border, 131. Trump, 129. And then we go to Hunter, 69 times. Uh, anything else interesting? Crime, 55. Ukraine, 52. Inflation, 51. Woke, 35 times. Uh, AOC made the list at one, only one. That's about it. Nothing else that too interesting. DeSantis mentioned 15 times. Coming up, I'll be covering the first hour of Fox and Friends, The Five, and The Ingram Angle. I also have some fun stuff this week that should be coming out for my paid subscribers, a little bit of extras. Um, That's about it. I'm exhausted. I always say that at the end because I always am. I don't want to tell you what time it is, Eastern Standard Time, as I finish this. Uh, it just, it just takes up that much time to finish this thing every single week. It's getting a little bit better, but not that much better. Anyway, if you want to help support the project, you can do so by becoming a paid subscriber at my Substack. You can also go to my Patreon at Decoding Fox News. There's also a little dollar thing at the top of my Twitter, just like by my name that goes straight to a payment thing. It all is going right to one big, huge, uh, fund, right? It's not huge. What am I saying? Huge. I'm delirious. I'll do it as Carrie Lake. I'm going to do this as my Carrie Lake voice. Carrie Lake. I'll do the ending as Carrie Lake. She's not technically Fox, but she's a manufactured voice, and I just love doing somebody that kind of fake and phony and hilarious. But Carrie Lake would say, you know what? I'm putting all the money I'm getting from my paid subscribers and my Patreon, and other than spending it on things for the project, I'm saving it so just in case I don't have any sort of anything going on when this this um, grant ends in mid-August, I'm not going to starve to death. Is that bleak? Is that a bleak thing to say? Well, I just said it, so deal with it. Thank you so much. I'll see you at the next podcast.